Aloha, people of God. It's your brother, Mike Dillard, coming at you live and direct from Honolulu, Hawaii. Welcome to Fully Submitted with Brother Mike. So check it out. We know that this is a live and direct podcast. Wherever the message comes up, that's why I'm putting it down. Wherever I get it, that's why I spit it. So let's hit it. So I'm in Cali. I'm just still in California. It's 4.33 in the morning. Oh, dark 30. I'm in the bed. I just got done meditating on God's goodness and some other things that he did in the past and is, as usual, is my practice. You know, these the goodness of God just gets me excited. And then I got to make this podcast when really I should be trying to go back to bed because me and my daughter is going to an amusement park today. And I sure could do with the extra sleep. But God is that good. I want to share it with y'all. So anyway. Um, this message is going to be called the God of 50 phones, the God of 50 phones. We're going to kick it off in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for a new day, a new day in which that we can celebrate you and your son, Jesus. We can celebrate Holy Spirit. We can celebrate your word. And, and celebrate bring, being your children, your adopted children. Thank you so so much for all the love that you have given us um, through your son, Jesus, on the cross. And just through everything that you've given us in our lives, God, we love you so much. God, I just pray for the grace to deliver this message. I pray for the anointing. I pray for the faith of my brothers and sisters around the world that you grant them the faith to hear what thus saith the Lord God. And that you would encourage them and inspire them. To take action in a manner that would be wise and also that would please the Lord. Yes, that would please the Lord, our God. And uh, I just pray these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, your son. Amen. We receive it and consider it done. Thank you, Daddy. Love you. Okay, so I'm going to read the scripture to you first, okay? This is coming out of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 14. And it's, you know, it's, it's a couple of scriptures here, okay? So bear with, a, bear with your brother here. You know it's early. It's only 4.30 in the morning. Bear with your brother here. All right, so 1 Samuel 14. We're going to start at verse 6. And we're going to read all the way down to 14. Super important you get this, okay? So there was a battle going on. This is me talking now. This is not scripture. I'm just giving you a backstory. So there was a battle going on, right? So King Saul had his armies. You know, his son Jonathan is out there also fighting. They were fighting the Philistines, okay, as they often were. Um, but there was this one particular place where I guess it was like a rocky crag or something like that. And uh, King Saul's son, Jonathan, wanted to like sneak up on the Philistines, right? Actually, I'm just going to start reading it. So here it is. Within the I'm going to start at verse 4 then. Within the, within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. Right, so basically he had to, if he wanted to get over there, he had to climb up the bottom of the crag, right? Climb down one side, climb up the other side, okay? The name of the one was 
Bozes, and the name of the other, Sene. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. Right. Okay. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. Okay. So what we see right there, this is not just one incident. As, as with many things in the Bible, you have to understand there's a, a, a godly principle or a kingdom principle or kingdom dynamic that is at work here. And once you catch the principle, once you get that, you can apply it throughout the rest of your life. Right. This is why, you know, the Lord would teach his people parables. He would teach them principles. Right. Because once you live a principled life, once you understand God's ways, or maybe a better way to put it is once you understand God's principles, you know, God doesn't change. Thus, his his word doesn't change. His laws don't change. His principles don't change. So once you understand God's principles, you can use them for life. That's why he teaches us. Right. We're his kids. If you're parents, you have kids. You teach them certain things. There's, there's life skills. Right. You don't want your kids going out in life unprepared. Right. You know, that that you did. That's just not going to happen. Like, you know, you teach your kids how to cook. You teach them how to drive. You know, you teach them how to handle money. You know, these are skills that they're going to use for life. And so the things that the Lord teaches us, I, I learned this over time. You know, he would teach us lessons and then things would pop up and I wouldn't remember the lessons. And, you know, that was the message that would come many times. Like, hey, the Lord is teaching you things. It's for life. You're not supposed to just, you know, get the lesson, be excited and then forget about it. No, no, no. You hold these lessons for life. And so, you know, that's part of the reason why I, I do this podcast. Right. 
is for mature Christians, right? I say this is grown folk talk for the mature Christian, but this is also for the baby Christians, right? You know, I didn't have anybody teaching me this stuff coming up, right? I learned this the hard way. Like me and my ex-wife, we learned this the hard way. Nobody was teaching us this stuff, right? Um, but the Holy Spirit is our teacher, right? The scripture did say the Holy Spirit would teach you, right? And that's what happened. He, he taught us all of these different things about warfare, about how to, you know, the enemy operates, enemy strategies, you know, godly principles and things like that. And, you know, and we taught those to our kids. So, you know, I want to make sure that I equip you guys. You have uh, this information. That's what this podcast is for, right? So you're not ignorant of Satan's devices. You understand how he operates and you you don't have to figure out stuff the hard way. Nah, man, just go, you know, pull up the podcast and listen to the episode. So anyway, the dynamic that's at work here, the kingdom dynamic is this, right? There are times when, well, you know, God is always with you. God is always watching over you. God is always protecting you. And there are certain words you know, every, actually every word that the Lord has spoken about you is in full effect, whether it seems like it is or not, it's there. Like he said, he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He said he would, you know, provide for you, right? You know, his word is always in effect, right? You think about this. The Bible said that, you know, in the beginning, you know, God, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke forth the heavens and the earth, right? He spoke it. Now, that same word is still active, right? If, if you're looking at it from like a, a sense of like audio, sound, sonics, right? I mean, you speak a word, it vibrates. You send out a sound, right? It vibrates and it, and it travels, right? The sound waves travel, well, God's sound waves travel and they're eternal, right? You know, and there's a set time on these things. So, you know, God spoke forth the word. He spoke forth all the creation. His word is still emanating. It's still holding everything together. Scientists have said, you know, they they can see like atoms now, right? They, they can see, you know, you know how you have an atom, you have like a a nucleus and you know you have protons and neutrons and electrons they 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 can see that but they don't understand they're like there's some force that we can't see and it's holding these particles in place we don't understand what that is in in essence it shouldn't be there but there's something that's there but what it they what they don't understand is it is God's word. <laughs> it's the word of God. He spoke it forth. So it just is right. If God's word wasn't like everything that you see that looks solid. And I know it might seem like I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm really not. Everything. This is basic science, right? Everything that's solid. For example, I'm lying in bed in the dark. There's a desk, a nightstand right next to me. Right. See, I'm knocking on that. It seems pretty solid. But the truth of the matter is. On a quantum level, it is not solid. It's not solid. If you go down small enough, 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 you see that this is comprised of particles, molecules, right, elements. It's not solid. It's it's not solid. 
Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's it's all in how you look at it. So from a quantum level, it's not solid. But these molecules are being held together. Molecules in wood are being held together. You know what I'm saying? The 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 bed that I'm sleeping on, you know, this mattress is on a on a steel frame. What is keeping is right? This is matter. These are molecules. Something is holding these things together. And that's what scientists can't figure out. How is it being held together? But they don't want to acknowledge God, so they're missing the answer. So anyway, God's word doesn't change. He sends a word out, and it will perform that which he sent it out to do, right? So keep in mind that God is God, and by God, I mean the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? He doesn't change. His word doesn't change. As long as you don't get caught up in your feelings about something and you remember to discipline yourself to always go to the word of God as your default, you'll be fine, right? The trap that Satan uses against Christians is their emotions. He does things in the physical realm, right? Well, he actually does things in the spirit realm, which manifests in the physical realm, right? to jack you and me up, right? Whether it's, you know, affecting a relationship that we have, you know, all of a sudden somebody's acting a fool and, you know, saying hurtful things or doing hurtful things to themselves or whatnot, or maybe things went crazy on your job, your money got messed up. All of these things are meant to, for the, it's, it's really not even about non-Christians because the devil already has the non-Christians in a sense. If you understand what I'm saying, right? He, They already work for the devil, whether they realize it or not. They have no covering. The devil can influence them to do what he wants them to do. As a Christian, we have a covering from God. We have Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So the devil has to trick us. He just can't. We're not his slaves. If you're not a Christian, you are a slave to Satan. Now, if you're a non-Christian and you're listening, that might sound pretty radical, but it is true. You have no power to stop the devil. You have no power to stop a fallen angel or or their demons. You have none. You're you're just a little weak human. And these things are very powerful beings and they do what they want to do. Right. They're scared of Jesus. So that's different. So, you know, if if you're a Christian and you have Holy Spirit living inside of you. So what the devil has to do is. What he did from the very beginning, he's got to trick you. He has to trick you, right? So he does stuff like with Adam and Eve. Look, look at what he did with Adam and Eve. God gave Adam dominion over the whole planet. Basically, Adam was in charge of the whole planet, right? He may have understood this to some extent, but he really didn't understand certain kingdom principles that the devil did understand. So the devil tricked them. Right. To eat that fruit because he knew what was going to happen to them. And when they ate that fruit, they sinned, they fell. And because they sinned, Satan got control of the planet. Right. He tricked them. That's what he does. He tricks people. So as Christians, what is what does he do? You can't curse something that God has blessed. Right. The scripture tells us that they, they tried it in the past. You couldn't you can't do that. God's people, Christian people Real Christians, not somebody saying they're Christians, real Christians are blessed by God. So you can't curse a Christian. It will just bounce off of them. 
You can't curse a Christian. So what the devil has done in the past is he's tricked God's people. So here, that story I'm talking about, right, where there was a king. The king wanted, the king wanted, uh, let me pull this up right quick. It was Balaam. So there was a king, I, I believe the king's name was Balak, and the prophet's name was Balaam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, let, me, let me pull this up right quick. Numbers, chapters 20. Well, I'm not going to go into all of that. It's, it's literally chapters. But basically, you have this guy named Balak, who was the king of Moab. The Moab people were, they were very wicked people. They were very, a uh, lot of sexual sin. And they were just, they were like an idolatrous people, right? But anyway, Moab actually came from Lot. Remember like in the Bible, there was uh, Abraham and Lot, you know, Lot basically, he camped out in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then when God came to destroy it, he got Lot and his family out. Lot's wife turned back. She looked at the city as it was being destroyed, even though God had told them not to. She looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt, right? They, Lot and his daughters escaped, but because they had lived in that wicked city, it rubbed off on them, right? You know, the scripture clearly says that Lot was a righteous man, but his daughters were married to, um, you know, wicked men in that city. It rubbed off on them. So the long and the short of it is they were like, oh, there's no men over here. How are we going to have babies? Let's get dad drunk. We're going to sleep with him. I'll sleep with him tonight. You get him drunk tomorrow. You sleep with him tomorrow. He won't know because he's literally going to be drunk. And that's what happened. They got pregnant by their dad. And they were the founders of the Moabites. So the Moabites started out in sexual perversion. Okay, so anyway, you have this king of Moab, these perverse people. He wanted to destroy the Israelites. So he hired this prophet. There's a, a prophet who was not an Israelite. His name was Balaam and or Balaam. I don't know if it's pronounced Balaam or Balaam. But anyway, Balaam was a prophet. He had a relationship with God. He knew who God was. But Balaam liked to do stuff for money. So this king hired Balaam to curse God's people. He's like, look, I'm going to have you go up on the mountains and you're going to curse. You're going to look down on God's people in Israel. And I want you, I'm going to pay you to curse them. Now, God, God allowed Balaam. God, this is, if you ever heard a story about the prophet, the donkey that spoke, it came out of this book, this story here. So basically, this guy, Balaam, is on his way to meet this king, to get this money, to curse God's people. And God sends an angel because basically God told him not to go. And then he went anyway. So God sent an angel to kill to kill Balaam and the donkey saw the angel in front of him and wouldn't move. So then, you know, the prophet gets mad. He starts beating the donkey and yelling at him. And then God gave the donkey a voice and the donkey's like, look, I'm your donkey. <laughs> I've always done what you wanted. You know, why, why are you beating me? Like there's obviously something is wrong here. Right. And, uh, Balaam's is talking back and forth with the donkey Right. And then God opened his eyes and he saw the angel standing in front of him, ready to kill him. Right. But anyway, God let him go and said, look, I'm going to let you go. But 
You cannot curse what God has blessed. You can't curse my people. You can only say what I tell you to say, and I tell you to bless my people. And the king got mad because he kept expecting Balaam to curse God's people, and he couldn't. He spoke, he pronounced blessings over God's people. He's like, why are you, why are you blessing these people? They're my enemy. I told you to curse them. And he's like, I told you, I can only say what God told me to say. God told me to bless them. I can't curse what God, God bless. Right. So anyway, these things are in effect, right? They're in effect. So what you have to remember is this, and I, I know I, I kind of rambled on a second, but Holy Spirit will help me get back on get me get me back on point. So you know that God's word is in full effect. It's always on. It's always on. It's always on. Oh, thank you. So tricks of the enemy, right? So the enemy realized that, excuse me, tricks of the devil against God's people. Because the devil has to deceive God's people in order to gain victory over them because God has already blessed them. So what the devil did is since he failed at getting Balaam to curse God's people, right? He gave Balaam an idea. Now, you know, the Bible doesn't say that the devil gave, but we know the devil gave him this idea, right? This is how the devil moves. So what Balaam said is, look, I can't curse what God has blessed. However, God's people are in covenant with God. If they should sin and break covenant, then you can defeat them. Right. So what what you do is this. His people are not supposed to like intermarry with these foreigners. Right. Because they worship idols. They worship devils. So what you do is go get like all of these beautiful women from the foreigners send them down there to the men the men will have will want them have sex with them take them as wives they'll break god's covenant now they're not blessed they're actually cursed because they're in disobedience now you can beat them so that's what they did right so that's what the devil does the devil he knows this stuff he knows how to trick christians so christians step outside of the blessing and then he can beat them. Just like he tricked Adam and Eve to get everything on the planet. Right? That's how he does. So what the devil does is he messes with your senses. He messes with your emotions. Right? And the I say the devil, but when Christians say the devil, we mean it collectively. It is Satan. It is his fallen angels. It is all the little demons and imps and everything. We just... We don't have time to name every single one and we don't we don't need to. We just say the devil. Right. So it's Satan's army. We say the devil. That's really what we mean. Right. So that's what they do. The devil controls this realm. Right. Because it's a fallen world. He got it from Adam and Eve. So they control this realm. That's why Jesus said Satan is the God of this world. Right. He said the God of this world is coming. He has no power over me. Right. That's Satan. Satan is the God of this world. Um, it doesn't mean that he is God, but to the people of this world, you know, they worship all of these false gods. All of those false gods are Satan. It's just diff different names, different guises, right? And in a sense, he is the God over this world. He has power. He offered it up to Jesus, right? When he tempted him, like, I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the world. 
right? He has the power to do that because he got it from Adam. God gave it to Adam. Adam sinned and disobeyed. Satan got it. Ha! I got it. Now I'm in charge. Okay? So what they do is they affect your senses, right? So they do stuff to mess you up emotionally. Why? If you're messed up emotionally, this is what humans do that aren't disciplined and trained in the Christian arts. Like some people take martial arts, they discipline their bodies. So if somebody throws a punch at you, you already know how to slap it out the way or how to block or kick or whatever, right? It's a discipline. This is warfare, right? So it's one thing, like the Bible talks about physical exercises of some value, right? There's some value in that. There's some value in martial arts or whatever, right? But when you learn how to fight spiritually, oh, <laughs> you can change nations, right? Not only your family, but you can literally change whole nations with your prayers, okay? So that's really what's more important is to learn how to fight physically, okay? Learn how to fight physically. So... <clears throat> You discipline yourself so that way when stuff happens on your job, if you're an undisciplined Christian or you're a non-Christian, you know, it's like, oh, my girlfriend was acting up. Oh, you know, things are happening on my job. Oh, this, oh, that. Right. And then the devil is like, he's like slapping you around. Go this way. Psh. Nah, go that way. Psh. Now do this. Psh. You just he's just slapping you around. Like he's doing what he wants to do with you in your life. He's controlling you. It doesn't mean that you're possessed, but he's doing with you what he wants to do with you because you have no covering and you don't know how to fight spiritually. Right. If you're not a Christian, you have no covering. If you are a Christian, but you're a baby Christian or you're an immature Christian, you you're immature. You don't know how to fight spiritually. So he's still getting over on you. It's like literally like taking candy from a baby. Like what's the baby going to do? Absolutely nothing. It's a child. Don't know what's the child going to do to a grown man or a grown woman. Nothing but sit there and cry about it. And that's what Christians do. Hey, God, the devil doing this. He doing that to me. It's like, you know what? Stop crying already. You have authority in Jesus Christ. Pick up the word of God and get get busy. Right. Start fighting. Fight back. So anyway. There's a, and there's a lot of lessons in that. Okay, there's a lot of lessons in that. So remember, Satan, the Bible says, is the prince of the power of the air. He's influencing stuff in your life to get you upset and emotional. Because that way, as a human, if you're upset and emotional, chances are you're not going to stand on God's word. You're going to go by your feelings, by your emotions, and then you're also going to project your feelings onto God and be like, well, God's not going to do this for me. God's not going to do that. God probably feels this about me. Right. And then the devil's got you. He can do whatever he wants to. Basically, he can't kill you. God's not going to allow that, but he'll just be slapping you around. And that shouldn't be the case. Because you're a Christian. You have authority, right? He tricked you. He tricked you. But if you're a disciplined, mature Christian, then no matter what, like Job, right? Job stood on God's word. He just stood on God's word. He praised God. I mean, his wife literally said, curse God and die already. 
for crying out loud. Like, look at all this bad stuff. Just curse God already. But Job wouldn't do it. Job stood on who God was. Job didn't allow his emotions to get into it. He lost his sons. He lost his daughters. He lost all his livestock. He lost everything in one day. Even just one of those things in one day will be bad enough. He lost it all in one day. And he didn't curse God. And he got sick. He had painful boils all over his body and everything. That's all in one day. Right? But he didn't let his emotions rule him. And so as Christians, you have to understand that is Satan's. That's one of his main strategies against you. Okay? To get you caught up in your emotions. But if you stand on God's word, you know who God is. God is always going to perform. And so when we look back at the story, I told you Holy Spirit is going to help me get back on track. So going back to the story with Jonathan and his armor bearer, right? Jonathan understood this about God, right? Jonathan understood that they're the Israelites. They're God's people. The Philistines were not God's people. So just like David understood that, right? You have David and Goliath. You have this huge giant of a man, Goliath. He's cursing out the Israelite people. All of those people were terrified. They were soldiers, the Israelite soldiers and the king of Israel, right? Terrified, King Saul, terrified of what they saw. So their emotions were affected. They didn't stand on the word of God. Otherwise, they would have been bold and went and attacked the enemy and destroyed them. But because the devil got them in their emotions, they saw what they they trusted in what they saw rather than trusting in the word of God. Young David, who was actually a teenager, he's a kid. <laughs> this kid comes on the scene. He sees the giant. He knows he's a Philistine and he's cursing out and he's cursing at God. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Right. Basically disrespecting the most high God. He's a dead man. I'm, he's a dead man. Because he understood God's principles. He understood God's word. And he knew God's people were protected by the Lord. And he knew that that man cursed God. The punishment was death. So David understood these things. And that's why he, if you're a child and you're listening, I always say, like, you know, man of God, you know, woman of God boy of God, girl of God, like you have power also, even as a child. Why do you have power? Because you're God's child. As long as you stay and, and listen, <clears throat> you're God's child. You can be 16 year old. I believe David was like 15 or 16. He was God's child. I'm 51. And guess what? I'm God's child. We're still God's child, right? And what separates, what gives us power is God has given us authority, right, in Jesus. And his word is law. It doesn't change. So that's what David did. David stood on God's word. He understood. It didn't matter his age. It didn't matter how big that Philistine giant was. He violated God's laws. <laughs> he had to die, right? So when you understand this, it doesn't matter how big the situation is. It's going down. Why? Because your God is going to keep his word. That's just it. Even if it looks like he's not, 
You have to understand it's not possible for God to not keep his word because he's God. He's perfect. He's holy. He cannot lie. If he didn't keep his word, then he lied. He can't lie. Now, sometimes Christians will be like, well, God didn't keep his word to me. You know, he did lie. No, he didn't lie. You was in sin. You was doing something that didn't qualify for you to get that particular blessing. If you repent, then you'll get the blessings that the Bible said you get. Right. But if, if you're in sin, then it's canceled out. You're in sin. The devil's going to be slapping you around. OK, so you have to understand this. And so, again, Jonathan understood this principle. We are God's holy people. Nowhere else on the face of the earth. We are God's holy people. God came and split the Red Sea for us. God gave our forefathers manna. This is our God. We are his people, right? We are the apple of his eye. This is the enemy, right? We're, we're going to, he told Zarmaber, we're going to go over there because maybe it'll be that God will give us favor. We're going to go over there, right? We're going to see. And they basically put a fleece out before the Lord, right? Because why? He understood that the Lord was listening. The Lord was listening to the whole thing. So he's like, hey, and God didn't tell him to do this. He did this because he knew God's ways, right? He understood these principles. Let's go on over there to the Philistines. You know, it could be that the God, it could be that the Lord will give us favor and victory. If they say this, we're going to do this. If we if they say that, then we know that the Lord gave us victory. Why? Because the Lord is listening to what he said. And he's moving on behalf of who God is. He's moving on behalf on who his word is, what his word says, and moving on behalf of the word of his servant. Right. To show strong who the Lord is. For Israel. Now you have to get this. The Lord doesn't change. That's how he is. Which brings us, <clears throat> excuse me, which brings us to the, the title of this episode, The God of 50 Phones, right? So when I was in the Navy, I always had like part-time jobs. I, I worked literally all over the state doing part-time jobs even while I was active duty military, right? Because we had a big family and, you know, the military didn't exactly pay all that much money. So I always had different jobs. So one of the jobs that I had, like right before I got out of the Navy, I was working at this store called Radio Shack. Some of you may have heard of Radio Shack before, but, you know, they sold cell phones and electronic devices and transistors and, you know, all of these different things, right? Electronic store, right? I was like the hotshot salesperson. I was part time, but I was such a great salesperson. I was beating out the full time people in the state so I could sell. I, you know, I'm a sales guy. Right. That's what I do. I sell. So I remember there was a, a young Christian in the store. He was a brother. I mean, like he was a black dude brother, but he was also a brother in Christ. But he was a baby Christian. And I remember one. His name was. James, right? So I remember I was talking to James. I was my boy. I was talking to him one day and I was like, you know, teaching him because he's like my little brother. So I'm, I'm like, man, you know, God is God is all powerful. You know, God can do anything. Right. And he was like, um, yeah, I believe that. 
I said, you do? Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Okay, well, check this out. You do believe God can do anything. So I tell you what, let's believe God for something. We're going to put this out there and it ain't on me. It's on God. Right. Right. God said we can. Ask. That's what it was. I was trying to teach him that. Look, you can ask God for things and God will do it. Why? Because he said he'll do it. And because he loves you. So you can ask him anything. That's what he said. Ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. Right. So I said, look, I believe that. God can help us sell 50 phones in a month. Now, like I said, consistently, I was the number one guy in the state selling phones. On my best day, I might have sold 30 phones. Like on my best day, maybe 30 phones in a month, but 50 phones. And I was the dude. And this was the new guy that I was training up. So I said, do you believe that the Lord could give us 50 phones in a month? 50 phone sales? And he was like, um, I said, don't look at your ability. I said, do you believe that God could do it? God that spoke the planets into existence. Do you believe that God can give you 50 cell phone, uh, cell phone sales in a month? He said, yeah, I do believe it. I believe that. I said, okay, we're going to pray. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you with my brother, James. Now, these are not the exact words. It was so many years ago, but it was probably something to this effect. But basically, like. You know, we believe that you're the God of miracles and you can do anything. And you said to ask um, anything in your name and you would do it for us. So, Lord, we are asking that you would bless us with 50 cell phone sales in the month of December. I'm asking that number because it's not a number that we can do on our own. Right. I'm not asking you for like 10. I can sell 10 cell phones on my own. We're asking you for a big number. I said, Lord, I've never sold 50 phones in a month. On my best month, I think I sold 35 phones. So we're asking you, we believe in you, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Right? So we prayed that prayer. And then what happened? Over the next two weeks, I sold two phones. Only two phones. And... <laughs> One of the co-workers, her name was Nikki, she started laughing because, of course, I went around bragging to everybody that God was going to give me and James 50, uh, 50 cell phone sales in the month. So everybody, they're all non-Christians, right? And they're like, that's crazy. There's no way you guys are going to sell. You're, you're crazy, Dylan. It's not going to happen. So two weeks go by. James is selling phones like hotcakes. He's just selling, 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 selling. Whoa. And in me, I sold two phones in two weeks. So I'll never forget this. Nikki said, ha, ha, 50 phones, huh, Dillard? Please. Like, even on your, and she said, even on your best month, Dillard, you couldn't sell 50 phones, right? But look, it's two weeks in. You only sold two phones. Dillard, you ain't going to sell no 50 phones. You may as well give it up. And I started laughing at her. <laughs> I'm trying not to be too loud because now it's like 5, 12 in the morning and there's somebody on the other side of the, you know, in the next hotel room. They probably trying to sleep. I'm like, what's this dude making us noise? Why he laughing? But anyway, I started laughing at her. I said, Nikki, that's the point. <laughs> I'm not going to ask God to do something that I could do myself. Right. If I sell, when I sell 50 phones and when James sell 50 phones, you know that it was God almighty. Right. Because as you said out your own mouth, even on my best day, I can't sell 50 phones. So, yeah, we're going to see. And I will sell 50 phones. 
over the next two weeks, I sold 50 phones within two weeks. So when we finished the whole thing, James, this was really an exercise for James Faith. James actually sold 56 phones. He beat me that month. He sold 56 phones. I sold 52 phones, right? And this is God. This this is God. This is how he operates, right? He he can do exceedingly abundantly above all, right? You look at uh uh Peter. He was fishing, right? You know this story. Jesus told Peter, "Cast your net on the other side." Peter said, "Lord, I've been fishing all night." Peter was a professional fisherman. He owned the boat. Peter knew how to fish. "Lord, I've been fishing all night. Are you kidding?" And you're going to tell me, cast my net on the other side? Lord, I ain't going to catch nothing. I'm a fisherman. That doesn't mean anything. The school of fish is not going to be, you know, on that side of the boat. It's a boat. It ain't even that big of a boat. I mean, he didn't say all of that stuff. But you got to imagine, that's what's going through his mind. That's what's in his heart when he's saying to Jesus, Lord, I've been fishing all night. And we barely caught anything. But... Because you're God, because you told me to do it, I'll do it. In other words, because you're God, I know you're God. And because you told me to do it, I'll do it. But what you're telling me to do doesn't make sense. And what happened? He put the net on the other side. So many fish jumped in it. His boat started sinking. Then they called out to another boat for help. And then that boat started taking on so much fish. Then that boat also started sinking. See, there's there's. This is God. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you dare ask or think, right? That's that's who he is. I understood this principle. Jonathan understood this principle, right? (laughs) That's why he did what he did. And so you see in what I did with James, it was in a sense the same thing that Jonathan did with his armor bearer, right? I just put it out there. Why? I knew the Lord was listening. I mean, I asked him. I knew the Lord was listening to the entire conversation. And that's why I said, look, this ain't on me. This is God's word. So if God doesn't come through, that ain't on me. God said we can just ask him. Isn't that what he said in the Bible? James was like, yeah, that's what he said. Okay, well, then if we don't sell 50 phones, is that on us or is it on the word of God? uh, It's on the word of God. It's right. It ain't on us. That's on God. Let's go ahead and take it to the God. Let's take it to the Lord in prayer. Right. And sure enough, the Lord came through. Right. Fifty five. So 50 phones in two weeks. So everybody in Radio Shack, what did they know? They knew that the Lord did that. They were unsaved people. So not only was the Lord glorified and my little brother, James. Right. It totally transformed the way he prayed and how he looked at God and his faith. Right. It built me up because, I, you know, seeing God move like that. It's it's a story. It's amazing. Like, I never forget that. That was almost uh, that was almost like 12 years ago. I'll never forget that ever in my life. Right. And all of those people in the store that didn't believe in God or didn't know who God was, but they was cracking on me and saying that's impossible. Right. I told them when I sell these phones, you will know that the Lord is God. Because it's not possible. I can't sell 50 phones on my own. We all know this. Right? They were introduced to the Most High God. Right? And let's look at this. And then we're going to be wrapping up in a hot second here. You have to understand the Lord does things to bring glory to his name. 
He does things to encourage his people, but he also does things to put the fear of God in those people that don't know him because he doesn't want them to perish and go to hell. He wants them to know that he really is God. And all of these fake, phony gods that really Satan invented, they're not really God. So God will do things. He'll do things so that people are, they'll understand. So we look at like Jonah, right? Jonah. Uh, and the whale, right? That's what the scripture says. But the Bible doesn't say it was a whale. It just says it was a great fish, right? Jonah was God's prophet. He understood that. Oh, God told him to go to Nineveh and preach. And in Jonah's mind, he's like, wait a minute. The Ninevites are our enemies. They're like our mortal enemies. They're horrible, wicked people. If I preach to these people, if they repent, God wouldn't destroy them. I ain't going I'm jumping on a boat and I'm going the exact opposite direction. I ain't doing it. That's what he did. He jumped on a boat. All right. For those that don't know the story, he jumped on a boat and he went in the exact opposite direction. And then, you know, God is God. He's not going to play that. He sent this huge storm. You know, the storm, the boat is taking on water. Everybody's afraid they're going to die. Jonah is like sleeping, chilling, just like Jesus was in a boat sleeping when it was taken on water. Right. And, you know, so they went and got Jonah. It's like, hey, wake up. You need to pray to your God. We're all praying to our gods. Right. So we don't die in this storm. And, you know, when he told them who he was and who his God was, they kind of got scared. And it was like, Okay, because he was like, yeah, my God made the sea. My God is controlling all of this. This storm is happening because I'm running away from my God. He said, throw me in the sea and the storm will stop. Because he understood God. He understood. It was about him and God. It was his disobedience, right? But his disobedience was affecting the lives of other people around him. So what the Bible says those people did, they rode all the more furiously because they didn't want to kill him. They understood if we throw that man in the water, he is dead. He's dead. We don't want to kill him. <clears throat> but the storm just got worse and worse. And finally, they said, you know, they prayed. They acknowledged. They said, oh, Lord, you know, please forgive us that this man's blood is not on our hands. You know, they threw Jonah in the ocean and the storm stopped immediately. And they were terrified. You think those people gave their lives to him? You think they started worshiping the Lord and and left their fake phony gods? You know they did. Of course they did. To see real power like that, they stopped. This is what God does. Right? This is who he is. Look at the battle, the showdown between uh, the prophets of the Lord and the prophets of Baal. Right? Where you have Elijah. Right? And God said, God said through Elijah, how long will you be of two minds? Either the Lord is God or Baal is God. You, you can't have two gods. Like, make up your mind. Right? And there was this big showdown, right? They had all of these, those 450 fake phony prophets, right? Of this fake phony god, Baal. And, you know, they're screaming and yelling all day. They're cutting themselves as was their custom. The blood is flowing and gushing. And nobody comes. Elijah starts cracking on them. Hey, maybe your god's in the bathroom. Maybe he's asleep, right? Because he knows their God is not the real God. And then he prayed. He said, you know, hey, let's build an altar over here. Put a whole bunch of water on the, the sacrifices and all that stuff. And then 
you know, the, the premise was set up. Whoever is the real God is going to answer by fire from heaven. So then he prayed, Lord, you know, please let them know that you're God, basically, right? Please light this fire. Boom, fire fell from heaven. Bam, boom, it lights up everything. It, it, it burned up all the water that was in the trench and everything. And then what did the people say? The people said, the Lord, the Lord, he is God. The Lord is God. And then the prophet said, kill the prophets of Baal. And they killed them, right? Why? Because then they understood, oh, the Lord is actually God. These other fake phony gods are not God. I'm done. I'm serving the Lord, right? The people at Radio Shack understood, oh, the Lord really is God. Jesus is real. He really is God. Oh, okay. You know what? Yeah, maybe we should start looking. I'm going to start praying to God, right? So you have to understand all of these things are taking place. The Lord is going to glorify his name. He's going to glorify himself. He's going to do things to build his people up. But he's also going to go show signs and wonders to terrify, right? <laughs> and I don't mean terrify or to scare, but like, you know, to really shock and awe people that don't know him. Then they'll understand that he is God. The Lord is God. And they'll follow him, right? And they won't be destroyed. God's not some egomaniac. But he is holy and he's worthy of praise. We should praise him. He made everything. But also, the Bible says that God desires that none should perish. Right? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So when God's showing his miraculous power, people are afraid. You know, they're afraid. And then they realize, oh, God actually really is real. Jesus actually really, the Lord is God. Oh, they're scared. They repent. They come to him because now they understand he actually, God really is real. And Jesus actually really is God. Right. So that's how God works. So please remember these principles. I didn't know I was going to go over all this stuff. There's a lot of principles in this lesson. There's a lot of strategies for warfare in this episode. Right. But just remember, the Lord is listening. His word is always in effect. He's always going to move to make sure his word performs that which he sent it out to do. So there are times when you understand, you know, who the Lord is and how he operates. You can just put that fleece out there. Like I told those people, like I said, he's the God. I told the guys we were underwater that time, right? I'm kind of rambling, but we're coming to a close. Remember I told you guys in the episode, it's the God who gives underwater Skittles. Me and my brother Rick was was witnessing to was tag team witnessing to this one guy we had on our Holy Ghost hit list. Those are the people that we was praying for to get saved. We was witnessing to this dude like two or three in the morning. And I said, don't you know that my God is so good? My God knows I love Skittles. Don't you know my God is so good that even here at 500 feet under the water, if I wanted some Skittles, my God could get me some Skittles. And what happened the next day? My brother Rick called me into the wardroom. Why? There was a one pound bag of Skittles just sitting out open for anybody to have. Right. I, I mean, that is the God that we serve. He's that awesome. He's that amazing. And the scripture says one thing that God does is to keep men in awe of him. That's his nature. He's a miracle working God. If you go to a church or if you was raised up or if you believe that. You know that, yeah, God can do miracles, but he only did miracles 
in the Bible. That was for back then. I've literally heard people that said they were Christians, and that's what they believe. He doesn't do miracles now. That was just for back then. You missing out because that is God's. Look, I'm a black man. I, you know what? I can't help it. I'm black. <laughs> My skin is a beautiful, rich, uh, 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 chestnutty brown color. It is beautiful color, right? I'm always going to be brown. I can't help but be brown, right? And in the same in the same sense, the Lord God is a God of miracles. He can't help it. That is who he is. He is a God of miracles. He walks and miracles be happening. He talks and reality is created and formed. That is who he is. It's not like, well, he was God back then, but he's not a miracle working God now. No, he's the same. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. So, again, don't get caught up in your feelings. Right. Or in your head. What does the Bible say? about God. If you default to that, you will always, always, always beat the enemy every single time. Even if it looks like the enemy is winning, if you stand on the word of God, you're going to watch God come through and defend his word and uphold his word. You're going to watch him keep his word to you and protect you and deliver you. You're going to watch him beat the pants off the devil's army, right? Because the Bible says that they'll come against you one way, but they'll flee against you seven ways. The thing is, you must be in obedience. Okay, you got to be in obedience. Be under the spout of blessings. Deuteronomy 28 blessings. If you're in disobedience, then you're under the spout of Deuteronomy 28 curses. And you can't be expecting to get blessings when you're walking in disobedience. Okay, God never changes. This is who he is. He, if you want to see God move in the miraculous Right. You want to see a move? Make sure you're in obedience. OK. And then. Pray, ask him something, ask him for something to do, some, something that you cannot do on your own. You set a goal. You set a big goal. Right. So for me, that's what said. Fifty phones. I, I, I could have been like, you believe God gives us 30 phones. But, but I was selling 30 phones on a regular. I was like, that ain't no that ain't no challenge. Uh, and here's the last example. And then we're going to close. Right. <clears throat> God doesn't want men to glory in themselves, right? They have to understand that God is God and man is man, right? So let's, and here's a, this is a godly principle. It's a kingdom dynamic. God never changes. Here's another one. Here's another nugget, right? So we have Gideon. Gideon was the guy that was kind of cowering. He was hiding from the enemy in the wine press. Right. And God basically sent an angel to say, Gideon, you know, mighty man of God, you know, you're highly favored. And he's like, mighty man of God. Right. What? 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 But God gave him. God said, I'm going to give you victory over these people, over the enemy. The Bible says there was so many troops in his army. It was like locusts. Have you ever seen locusts? Locusts are everywhere. When they come in, they're everywhere. Literally, like the sky is dotted with locusts they're everywhere so he's going to pick his army and put his army together and then god says you got too many people right you got too many people so then he whittled it down to like 300 men right he whittled it down to 300 men and god says 
you know, I'm going to give you victory with 300 men. Why? Because if it's more than that, the men might think that somehow they got the victory themselves and it wasn't me that did it. And that's what happened. 300 people whooped the pants off of that entire army. Why? Because it was the Lord that was fighting for them. And so any human knows that even if you it was only 3,000, 300 people cannot beat 3,000 people. It's just not going to happen. It's not physically, naturally, humanly possible. It's just not because they could just over and they all got weapons and they're all trained. There's no way. But we don't know exactly. It could have been 30,000 troops. I don't know. But God gave them the victory with 300 people. And he did that so that the, the troops wouldn't think that they did it in their own power or strength, right? Because this is also how the devil operates. The devil will come on and be like, that was a coincidence. So you don't give God glory. So you don't trust God. See, if once you start trusting the Lord for who he says he is and what the Bible says, the devil knows his day, his time is up with you. He can't slap you around like he used to do anymore. Why? Because you're going to stand on God's word and the devil already knows he's a defeated foe. Number one, he already knows if you're in obedience <clears throat> and you stand on God's word, he already knows the outcome. He's going to have to flee. The Bible says, oh, submit yourself unto God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is a godly principle. The devil knows that. But if you don't know that. You will lose the fight every time that you should have been winning. You should have been winning. Okay, so that is it. That is it. Uh, always remember. Yeah. <laughs> always remember. Submit yourself unto God. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, until next time. Aloha and be blessed.